Well, how many of you have ever taken a personality test? Uh, there are different tests out there. Uh, the Myers-Briggs, there's Strength Finders, there's the Disc Profile. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Some of you is like, yeah, I try to avoid those kind of tests, right? One guy said, I took a test and the results came back negative. So I try to avoid it, right? Well, welcome to Faithwork this morning, Pastor Jim. So good to have you on this kind of cool morning. And uh, we are coming to the end of our kickoff series called Finding the Best You. A lot of times, um, we might not be living into the best self that we can be. Even uh, Christians uh, can, can be uh, a void of some wholeness and some freedoms in their own psyche, in their soul. And so this has kind of been the premise. And we've been learning a couple of things. And one of the first things that we learned was God sees you as your best when we think ourselves as less. And we picked on an Old Testament uh, character named Gideon. And Gideon uh, didn't see himself as a very strong, whole person. In fact, when God came and said, Gideon, I see you as a warrior. I want you to take on the enemies of Israel. He said, oh, not me, right? I can't do that. I'm the youngest. Uh, my family isn't very strong. Because Gideon, like a lot of people, has an old story, an old mantra that is rolling around in his head that he is less. There's something wrong with him. On the outside, he has a smile on his face. He's feeding his family. He, he's doing his thing. But on the inside, no, I'm just not good enough. And we also learned a lot of times this comes from some maybe some incidents in our formative years, from, from our childhood to our youth, right? There can be some what I call capital T trauma, uh, that kind of really shakes us up, can marks us. Uh, sometimes it's not capital T, there's, but almost everyone's maybe had some small T's, right? Someone said something to us, there was a failure, there's a setback, and right there, we just start trying to cope and make sense of life. Our, our personalities start shaping into the story or the mantra that we're going to tell ourselves to just make sense of who we are, make sense of life, we keep marching on. But the truth of the matter is we, we grow up and get older, we realize maybe that's not the healthiest. And through Christ, he can heal us. And we learn that we don't have to let the past determine our future. That whatever happened or however we think of ourselves, we can take those incidences and sift it through the principles of the gospel of Christ Jesus himself who loves us, who went to the cross to redeem us, to heal us, because Christ's heart is for us to live free. Christ's heart is for us to live whole and with him living and through us. But a lot of times before we know it, there can be some situations that trigger us, that tempt us greatly. And we looked at Peter. He was living his best self when Christ called him to come out on the water. He jumped out of that boat, and he's walking on water. He was like awesome, right? Until something threatened him. And those were the winds and the waves. And before he knew it, he starts sinking uh, physically. And a lot of times we start sinking emotionally. We can sink spiritually when we're triggered, when we're threatened. It reminds us of stuff going on, right? Our ego gets us going. And we really don't have a response plan. And we learn that emotional steadiness requires emotional readiness. And I, I tried to teach us seven questions that you can ask yourself when you're triggered. 
when the things are not going well and, and you start going back to that old story, you start giving into that temptation. What are the lies that I tend to be thinking in my head, right? And, and another question, well, what are the truths of the word of God? I might feel this way. Someone might have said something or something happened out there, but I need to go back to the truths. What are the truths and who I am in Christ? Now, last week, we, we talked about how busy we can get, and Pastor Taylor did a great job. He says, the busy you isn't the best you, right? The busy you isn't the best you. We're just all wound up going, 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 and if we don't have margin, then we're really are not on mission, and our mission is, is to love people and, and to love God and to love our families, and if, and if we are maxed out, there's no margin. We don't w- do well and live our best life. Now we come to the end, and this, this subject here today, to, to find our best you, is going to be a little bit more lighter. Uh, it's going to have to do with our personalities, right? And, and we have to realize, if we're going to find our best self, that not only Christ re- died and redeemed us for our sins to help us to live in him and to eventually go to heaven, yes, but also to realize that we've been made unique that each one of us are special, and that was God's plan. And we can find that truth in the Word of God in different uh, studies and different chapters. For instance, the Apostle Paul, he tried to share this with the the, uh, Ephesians Christians when he says, for we are God's handiwork, um, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which Christ prepared in advance for us to do. That, that word handiwork in the Hebrew is poyama. And poyama means we are God's design or workmanship. He's like a craftsman. And each part, each person, he is uniquely designing to be, uh, uh, to reflect him. Eugene Peterson, uh, in the message, he, he uses the word, we are God's masterpiece. He's weaving us together, and every person plays a part in God's redemptive story. With our gifts, our traits, our talents, our personalities, etc. Part of God's master plan. We also see this back in Psalms 139, where it says, For we are created, for you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. See, there's something special when a sperm enters into an egg. A embryonic miracle happens. A supernatural setup of DNA starts taking place to create a unique individual, someone that has never lived before and someone that will never live again. And that DNA will start growing, and eventually, uh, for nine months, eventually it will become uh, um, this living being uh, that becomes uh, grows to a toddler, to an adolescence, to a, a, a full-grown adult. And in that, he's creating this special person, you and me. And David, who wrote Psalms 139, says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Sometimes we doubt that. Sometimes we doubt that we're totally fearfully and wonderfully made. We, we kind of look at our coworkers or look at someone else and say, well, they, they're probably more special. But they have more gifts. They have more, more talents. And we have to remind ourselves of the truth. No, there's no one else like you. God uniquely designed you. Even 
for people that maybe uh, were born with deformities or limitations or, or special needs. Every one of these people, God knows, they're going to be part of a redemptive plan. Now, if you're a parent and have multiple children, you already know this, right? That every one of your children has a different personality. They even might have a different hair color, right? They grow to different heights, and, and, and you know that they're each unique. This shouldn't surprise us. If we look throughout the Bible, we'll know that even our gifts that God has given us, the Bible identifies around 20 different spiritual gifts. Again, Apostle Paul, Romans 12, says uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. God designed us before we even took our first breath, that we are his workmanship, we are his masterpiece, and we can learn to embrace who we are. In fact, the best you is who God made you to be. The best you is we realize, oh, this is how God made me. I, instead of avoiding it, instead of comparing it, I'm going to embrace it and take it on. Now, now, a lot of times we realize, well, I don't always feel like I'm the best you because I got some warts, I got some roughness, I maybe have some failures, right? But God still loves us and wants to use us. One of the things that inspired me is this uh, series out called The Chosen. Hopefully you've taken time to research this and find this. You can uh, uh, download it on your phone or your computer or even your TV. It's a beautiful, high, first-class entertaining series on the life of Christ, the Gospels. They're, I think they're just starting the third season. Um, even my 12-year-old uh, loved it, right? It's about 30 uh, minutes uh, time. And, and through the very beginnings, uh, you, we're introduced to Jesus. And then Jesus, we're introduced to the disciples that he starts recruiting and, and bringing them on. And what I, one of the things I really appreciate is that he, he collects these disciples, and every one of them is unique, Right? And they're, and they're not, they're just kind of clueless, but, but the, the film shares their unique personalities, uh, their different point of views and their backgrounds. And Jesus has to manage all these different personalities, right? And, and they're getting excited, they're getting mad, and they're getting down. They don't like each other, right? Because they're all kind of made differently. But, but you show the heart of Christ, that he's patient with them, he, he kind of understands them. Let's, let's kind of get together here and start developing them, discipling them and these personalities because they need also to embrace, hey, I'm not like this next person. I'm who I am and start to embrace that. And we all need to do that. Who are we? How, how do we function? How are we wired? Corporations have known this for a long time. A lot of times they will ask you to take a personality test because they want to know your strengths and your weaknesses. Where can you fit in? What can we expect? You know, truth of the matter is we, we are on the recruiting um, way now to, to hire some, some staff and we, we have some essentials. But one of the things, we're like, hey, would you mind just uh, investigating yourself? Let us know kind of where you line up on, on some of these personality tests. Uh, it helps us have good chemistry. It just kind of helps us know uh, wh- how you're kind of uh, thought life and thinking. One, one of the tools that I've discovered in the last couple of years is the Enneagram. Uh, it's just one of many different uh, personality uh, tools uh, that we can uh, find out who we are. And, and I thought it was kind of intriguing as I kind of self-discovered myself and maybe the people uh, that I work with or even my spouse and people in my family, it's kind of been an aha moment. 
say, oh, oh, they don't all think like me. They don't all act like me. They don't all just deal with situations like me. Why is that? And this tool has kind of helped me. And I want to just uh, submit this to you today. And maybe you can have some fun with it. You might uh, identify yourself as to say, I'm kind of like that. And maybe my children or a coworker is kind of like that. And that might help us wake up to say, oh, well, uh, maybe I can appreciate them better or be more patient with them because they think a little bit different because God wired them differently. For instance, uh, the Enneagram that has numbers. Uh, it's just an easy way. Let, let's start with number one. Uh, they would say this is the improver. <clears throat> the improver is a very principled, um, meticulous type of mindset. They are very self-controlled. They are very um, buttoned down. They highly value excellence, and everything is in order. They like excellence, and they sleep better, and they're really good at improving things to, for excellence and, and looking great. Then, then you have the helper. Helpers are known for having a warm, charming, uh, caring personality. Usually these are the people, the first people to step and say, how can I help you? Uh, they are generous. They are supportive. The Bible would probably say they have the gift of service. They don't have, don't have any problem of doing menial tasks. In fact, they kind of enjoy it. Let me help you succeed. And, and speaking of people succeeding, number three would be achievers, right? These are people that are high achievers. They are, have an A drive in them, right? They get things done. They are very focused. They're very strategic. Uh, they love goals. They're good at knocking out goals, right? And they're usually leaders. Uh, they, they are kind of CEOs and, and pull it all together. These, these high achiever people, they just, that's the way they're wired. They, they love it and they do very well with it. And then the Enneagram would say number four is more about a romantic or artistic person. Uh, these people are, are, are kind of live by their feelings. They're super creative. They're spontaneous, right? They have a flair for the dramatic. Uh, they're uh, expressive. Uh, praise God for, for these fours. They usually are in the arts, right? They have that uh, mindset to just create beautiful things. A lot of times they're kind of sensitive to people on the margin and, and, and live from their heart, the romantic, the, the artists. And then you, you kind of have the, the thinker. This is the investigator, number five. They, are, they like to observe first. They're usually quieter. They're analytical. They're kind of calculated. They're smart. They don't like, need a lot of noise and flamboyance. They just want to think things over and improve things through just uh, uh, calculations and perception. Uh, number five, or number six, would be the loyalist. Uh, these people are usually warm-hearted. They're engaging. They're responsible, right? They show up. They really care, and, and they are committed. The, 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 the loyalists also are very, kind of have a, um, a security-oriented kind of thinking. They're always kind of skeptical, a little maybe fearful that something might sabotage or someone's just not right. And, and so they're highly intrigued about, hey, is there, is there something that, that we're not discovering here? Because they want to protect, they want to be loyal to, to whatever they love and be a part. That's just kind of how they are wild, wired. <clears throat> The seven would be the enthusiasts. 
Now, I, I think that I, I, this is what I would identify as one of my primary traits, right? I, I'm a go-getter, right? I, I like, uh, let's, let's, let's have vision, right? And we can take the hill. Uh, a lot of times, enthusiasts are spontaneous. They're busy. They're, they're fun-loving. They have some charisma, right? They're, they can be the life of the party, right? Uh, seven. And then there's the eight, right? Eight is the challenger, I, I, I love these challenger guys. These are usually the most powerful, dominating personalities in the room. Uh, challengers are highly self-confident. They are decisive. They don't, have to, they don't worry about people's feelings too much, man. And they're usually right. Uh, these people are take charge, leader, let's get it done, kick the door open, follow me, let's go. Um, the other day, I ran into one of these eight challenger guys, um, some of you heard that there was a nursery in Maple Grove that caught fire uh, and uh, it was devastating. So they got on the news, they were, they were asking for volunteers because they needed to pull out all the little <clears throat> poinsettias and transport them to another warehouse. So I said, well, I got some time. I'd like to represent the church and the community. So I show up that morning and there was like hundreds of people, right? And, and so uh, we all went into this warehouse and they said, now get yourself a cart and there's these shelves and all the volunteers um, pack it full of these poinsettias and then someone kind of push it out the skinny little aisles out to the to the trucks so i got my cart and everybody's putting it on and and i i got that it was my turn to take my the cart out right and i started pushing this cart through this tiny aisle and all of a sudden this challenger guy in front of me grabs the the cart and says right here sir this is how we do it and he starts navigating my cart now, at the beginning, I was like, hey, dude, uh, I'm in charge here. I got my cart. I can do this. How dare you take over my cart, right? Who, who, who are you, right? right? Who, I'm, I'm looking for that, right? And then I start kind of snickering between the Holy Spirit and, and just knowing the Enneagram. I'm like, that's an eight. Some eight just grabbed my cart, man. He's just a take charge. I know the way. Follow me. And I just kind of was like, okay, man, this is fun. All right, just take over, right? We all kind of know those dominant personalities. You might be married to one. You might work with one, right? And then the, the opposite is the peacemaker. <clears throat> Peacemakers are usually laid back. They're kind of easygoing. They're very good at just being a diplomat and making sure people get along, right? I think of a pastor friend of mine. Wow, he's just, he's just a peacemaker. He, he has a, his, his voice is just kind of soft, right? And he's, he's really seeing if we can have a collaborative effort here and, and make something happen in, in, in kind of an organizational way. Well, this, this is just a little tool. Now, these lines, uh, they say that a lot of times we, the, we gravitate to the opposite of us. If we need some, if we're in trouble or uh, we get excited, uh, there's some integration here. But the truth of the matter is you, you might say, oh, well, um, you know, I, I have a primary trait and then I might have some wings, I might have some secondary traits. This is not the end all. Uh, you know, hopefully, no matter how you see yourself in one of these, that first and foremost, that we are Christ. That we are Christ-like as an eight to a six to, to a one Christ-likeness. But see, Christ created us all uniquely for his redemptive plan. And the more we understand who we are, the more free we can be and the more uh, we can live our best life. And secondary, the more we understand other people 
and how they're wired, the more we can serve them, the more we can um, enjoy them, uh, and it can even help us in business and in relationships. Uh, for, for example, I'll never forget, man, it was several years ago that I heard this quote from <clears throat> church leader Nancy Beach, who says, everyone filters challenges through their giftedness. Everyone filters problems or situations through their giftedness. And she was explaining that a lot of times, like in my situation, uh, I, I um, are accountable to a board, a board of seven people. And I've been doing this for 30 years, and we just kind of have a, always have a supervisory type of elder board, right? And, and then any major decisions in church and stuff, you, you got to put it through these seven, eight type of people. And I've th- learned through the years that uh, they all have eight different personalities kind of deal, right? And I got my personality. And before I heard this, I was, would get frustrated privately. Uh, then why didn't my other Christian uh, board people, leaders in the church, see things and act like I did, right? So I'd be like inspired, like, let's take the hill. I'd bring in this this idea to him, you know, and I'm like, man, God has said, and don't you see, what do you think, right? And there's like uh, the, the, the number five, the investigator, and I'm like, hmm, hmm, let me think on that, pastor, hmm, I'm like, what, what do you think about it? It's, it's really clear, come on, let, let's go, right? And, and then you got the peacemaker over there, nine, they're like, no, pastor, you know, how's this going to affect everybody? Right, and there might be some people that leave, and there might be some people that 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 are offended. Right, I'm like, what? That why do you think that way? Right, and, and then there's the eighth. They're like, yeah, that's a good job, Pastor. That's right. Let's go. Let's do it tomorrow, man. Well, there might be some, some people, and all of a sudden there's tension in the room. Right, there's this conflict. Right, and it's like, who cares? I think this is the right thing to do. We just need to kick that door down. Let's do it. Right, and, and then I'm all in this tension. Right, and and I'm going home grumbling. Well, I don't think I'm very very spiritual because because they didn't go along with my idea and all that kind of stuff. And then I started realizing, oh, maybe they're not wired like me. They don't all think like me. They don't process things like me. There's strengths and gifts, and God needs us all. So comfort, why don't you just slow down a little bit, right? They're, they're not all uh, sevens and enthusiasts. Oh, and you need to appreciate people around you that have different gifts and different traits and talents. Oh. And before you know it, if you become self-aware, you kind of kind of have fun with yourself and realize, okay, well, this is who I am. I can either compare it and avoid it and, and wish I was someone else, or I can embrace that. And we also know that a lot of times these, these traits can have shadow sides, can have weaknesses. Uh, for, for example, you take the improver, right? A lot of times their shadow side is they, don't, they, they can get edgy and maybe grumpy if not everything is perfectly in order. They can have perfectionist tendencies that there's a voice going on that something is not right. If, if not everything is lined up and looks just like excellence, then, then they're not really happy. And, and this is not a, a positive thing. You, you take, for instance, a helper. They have a tendency to be people pleasers, right? They have a tendency to not speak up on their behalf because they just want to help. Uh, A lot of times they can be taken advantage of because they're so in the background helping. You look at the achiever. They also have some shadow sides. Sometimes um, achievers really are are self-conscious of their image. Well, look at me. Look at my titles. Look at my plaques, my trophies, right? Right? 
They sometimes can be so focused, right, in their strengths. The next thing you know, they're not paying attention to people around them. In fact, a lot of times, achievers can have some pride. It's susceptible to pride and judgment. Well, I achieved. I did the right thing. Look at me. I worked hard. Why aren't you working hard? Why aren't you achieving like me? And this is not of God. We have to be aware of these. You take, for instance, the romantic, right? Sometimes the romantic can can also be self-absorbed. Well, look at me. Woo, look how wonderful I am and talented I am. And I need a lot of attention. Or a lot of times, sometimes uh, romantic can be temperamental, right? They're like happy one time and all of a sudden, woo, they're moody and they're down. And they're always on their feelings base, right? You don't know anybody like that, do you? I don't think so, right? And then you look at, let's pick on the investigators, the, the thinkers, right? Uh, the, the investigators, they're hard to read. They got like hardly no emotions, right? You're like, what do you think? And then, mm. oh, great. Uh, well, I'm feeling down. Mm. Let me think on that, right? And a lot of times they can just kind of get isolated. Uh, they'd rather just kind of uh, be somewhere else, right? Instead of sh- expressing. Uh, sometimes they can ha- be socially awkward. They're not sure what to do with that. And you take, for instance, the, the loyalists. They have strengths, but they also have some weaknesses. A loyalist can, can just kind of always be on the edge, a little nervous, because there might be a threat. I, that person might look like they're loyal, but they might have a second agenda. And next thing you know, they're more suspicious. They have a hard time trusting people. They're always looking for that threat instead of just leaving, li- living at ease. Oh, well, let's pick on the enthusiasts, right? Now there's probably, I got no weaknesses. Yeah, I got a lot of weaknesses, right? Just ask my, my family, right? Enthusiasts can be easily distracted. You think so, right? Uh, they can be scattered, right? Uh, no, I forgot that. I'm sorry. Uh, enthusiasts can be also high and low a lot of times. And people working with enthusiasts, they're like, I don't, I don't know what he's thinking, right? Because one week is this and this and that. And, 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 and uh, enthusiasts also have strength, but also have some weaknesses. And then the challenger, right? This dominating, usually right, kind of lion personality. I, I, I think uh, the poster child, the extreme of this is President Trump, right? You talk about a challenger. You talk about saying whatever he thinks. And, 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 and a lot of times it's the right thing, right? But the way he has said it a lot of times just leaves all kinds of collateral damage around there. And, and that can be some of our weakness. The peacemaker, yes. Uh, they are agreeable. Sometimes they're too agreeable. They kind of avoid some of the tougher issues. Sometimes they're even complacent. Ah, I don't want to put the energy into it. Let's, let's just kind of lay back and make sure everybody's just okay, right? So the more self-aware we are of who we are, our strengths, and the goodness of God, but also a little bit of our vulnerability, our differences, the more healthy we can become. I, 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 I appreciate some of this because uh, my wife and I, Terry, we've been married 34 years, and she is not a seven, right? Now, she was intrigued with a seven, right, until she got married after a couple of years. She's like, man, you're wearing me out, right? Let's just slow down, right? And she's one of these traits. I'm not going to give it away, uh, but one of our conflicts is the way we've been different wired and, and helped each other or harmed each other is that uh, she is a rule follower, 
right? And she really wants things done, and we need to do things right. And, and I'm a more adventurous, right? And this shows up through our recreation. Like I say, we're riding bikes, right? We're riding through the trails, right? And then we want to go to an ice cream shop or something like that. And we come, and, and the shop is on the other side of the street. And I'm like, hey, man, this shop's right there, and there's no cars. Let's hop the street and get over. Well... Terry would be like, oh, there's a crosswalk down here. It's 200 yards down here with a button. I'm like, it's, it's right there. Let's go. And there's a little bit of tension there. And it's like, oh, we got to go down the crosswalk right? because that's where they say, right? And we got to hit that button, right? And, and audibly, they're like, wait, wait, wait. And there's no cars coming. <laughs> Right? And I'm like, what are we waiting for, man? It's safe. Let's go for it, right? Wait, wait. And you got to hit the guy. Beep. There's a guy that's a, I'm going to Carson Rock. And whoo, she's at peace, right? And I'm kind of frustrated. Well, I tell you, through the years, 34 years, man, I'm glad that I married her, right? Because she's kept me out of a lot of trouble. At the same time, I'm hoping she would say, yes, but Jim has brought a lot of fun and adventure into our life. He's taught me how to take some risk once in a while, right? And, and, and have some fun out there. So, but we're different. Now, I, I can either complain about that or I can wake up to that and say, I got to wake up to who I am, my strength, my weaknesses. I got to wake up to people around me. And this kind of helps me make sense and say, oh, well, my child's not, not they're not all sevens right? They're, they're different. Can I appreciate that? Can I, can I love that? And a lot of times we are tempted to view other people's strengths and talents as wishing that we had them. We're always kind of maybe a voice in our head saying, well, they're a better person. Look, they're an achiever. They're, they're more artistic than, than me. They're more calm or they're more courageous than me. But God wants us to live in who we have been created to be. A good example of this is back in the Old Testament of, um, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story about David and Goliath. Most of you have heard this before. And uh, the, the uh, Israelites were under attack by the, the Philistines, right? And they had this big giant warrior, Goliath, and, and he's insulting them. And he says, just give me one person. Let's go one-on-one and settle this war kind of thing. And so young David, he shows up uh, to the battle. And uh, he's like, well, what's going on here? And like, well, we got this big threat by this big Goliath, and he's wanting somebody to take him on, and none of us Israelites want to do it. And, and there was King Saul, and he was their warrior, but he wasn't going to do it. And so David says, well, I'll do it, man. I got God in me, and we could take this guy. Uh, let me at him. Well, it's, uh, Samuel records what happens next in chapter 17, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Here you go, little shepherd boy. You put on my clothes. He put on the coat of armor on him because Saul was a warrior. He was a soldier, right? He had a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the clothes of tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He was used to being a shepherd, not a big soldier with all this heavy armor. It goes on and says, I cannot go in these, he says. Because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream. Put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag. So he took off the soldier's armor. That was Saul's. He was used to that. That's how God wired him. He fit into that. He took that off and said, you know what? What I'm going to take on, I'm going to take on how God wired me. 
I'm going to take on my shepherd bag, my little slingshot, right? And then I'm going to go slay the giant. And I would submit to you a lot of times in our insecurities, we're always kind of looking over the fence like, well, maybe I need to put on someone else's personality. Maybe I need to be more like them. Have you ever done that? And we're really not comfortable in our own skin. We're really not a whole how God made us. And we're wishing that we were someone else. Uh, some, sometimes in my own life, I've, I've kind of like uh, wrestled with, well, wow, those, those guys make a bigger impact in ministry. Look at that guy. He, he kind of travels the country and he's speaking. And if people are just so impressed, maybe I need to be more like him, right? Or sometimes like, well, maybe, maybe I need to be a supervisor, right? A supervisor over other pastors and stuff. And they do a lot of administration and, and have a lot of clout. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe that's what God's wired me to do. I just need to get there one day, right? Or, or maybe look at those authors. Wow, Christian dynamic authors. Everybody's reading them. And I got some things to say. And maybe I need to be an author, a blogger. And, and you kind of look around and think maybe I need to put on someone else's armor. And then when you really get close to Jesus and you start asking and he starts speaking to you, say, Jim, I, I made you to who you are. I, I, I pretty much made you to be a pastor, just a local pastor. And the more you kind of lean into that, the, the more you're like, yeah, I think you did, God. I, I, I probably don't have the skills and gifts to be this big administrator. I, I, I don't have the skills to be this, this, this worldwide speaker or whatever. And I'm surely not good at grammar, so I can't be an author, Right. You made me a pastor, right? And the more we become self-aware, say, you know, I'm going to live into that. I'm going to be content because you'll never be the best you if you fight who God made you to be. And if we're secretly always like, man, I, I wish I was more like that person, then we're not living whole. We're not living our best life. So you, we can admire other people. We can admire those achievers. We can admire those romantics, right? We can admire those improvers or those eights or whatever. But somewhere we got to just be content with who we are. And we don't have to listen to those voices that are saying, hey, you're not good enough. You're, you're less. No, I'm okay. I'm a two. I, I, I'm serving Maybe I, they don't know my name. I don't have any titles. Or maybe I'm just a peacemaker. That's your strength. Live into that. So I would, I would give you this. Kind of just uh, find who you are. Appreciate how God wired you. Maybe you're uh, an investigator, a thinker, more quieter. But man, you, you can come up with stuff. You can really put calculations and, and move the thing forward. I, I appreciate learning this. It's helped me in my family life. It's helped me in my, in my professional life or just dealing with different staff. Uh, the other day, we had a, a funny incident where I, I took a, a couple of our staff and some leaders in our church and went to this breakfast. And um, thing, everybody was showing up. It was kind of a formal deal, right? And one of the staff members at Faith Work here, I'm not going to tell you who, right? Uh, he says to me, well, I can't stay here. And I'm like, what? He said, I can't make it. I'm not going to make it, Jim. I'm like, why? He says, do you see that screen over there? I'm like, what screen? Yeah, the screen over there. You, you see how, how the picture on the, the projector picture is kind of cockeyed? It's not perfectly centered, man. It's, it's driving me nuts. I'm not going to be able to make it, right? He starts laughing. I'm not going to tell you who, right? And, 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 but he's really pointing out some of his weaknesses, right? And of course, I'm like, oh, I didn't even see that. Didn't even notice that. I was just worried about the people around me. Kind of deal, right? And the more we know who we are, say, okay. These are the good traits. 
This is how God uniquely wired me. I also have some shadow. I also have some weaknesses. I don't want to give into that. There's where we find our best self. So kind of take a moment and kind of look over these numbers, right? And, and have some fun. If you want to go a little deeper, find a different uh, personality profile. The Enneagram is not everything, but it's just one here. Here's a little uh, QR code if you want to take a picture of this and go deeper. Right there, um, Enneagram Solutions. Uh, learn a little bit more about specific things. And uh, so a couple things I would just encourage you to do. Embrace who God made you to be. Be secure who you are. Yes, I'm, maybe I'm not going to be that number or this great, but you know what? I'm just going to be who I am. God made me. Also be aware of your shadow sides, right? And God can transform your life. The best you is who God made you to be. I, I thought about this statement and this fact when I was reading an article the other day from uh, a lady who showed up to one of our sister's churches. Uh, we are part of the, uh, a movement called the Church of Nazarene. There's about 10,000 uh, Nazarene churches in America. And this church was down in Albuquerque. And the article went like this. When Rachel Walsh moved to New Mexico in 2015, she became friends with a lady named Lisa. And Rachel and Lisa started uh, getting together because they met each other down at the bus stop where their kids were together. And these two women started discovering they had a lot in common. Uh, um, their kids went to the same school, but their paths were about the same. They started realizing they both grew up in some dysfunctional situations and this, this trauma that they experienced before they knew it. They both were kind of confessing that it manifested in some addictions, right? They, they looked at the men that they were hanging out with and one one was married. They were also pretty much dysfunction. Uh, they had substance abuse and volatile personalities. And before they know it, they're, they're binding each other in this, in this place that they're kind of both stuck at. Dysfunction. Uh, situation with these men and poverty, but at least they had each other and, and their kids went to school to each other. But one day, Lisa and her husband went to this church of the Nazarene down in New Mexico and started listening to the message and the people. Eventually, the life-giving message of the gospel so struck Lisa that she said yes to Christ to allow him to forgive her sins and come to her life starts transforming her past into the new. Eventually, she decided to take another step and have a water baptism. So down at the bus stop, she says to Rachel, hey, I've been going to this church. I think my life is being changed, and I'm going to be baptized uh, this coming Sunday, and I'd like to invite you, my friend, to be part of this, this church service. Would, would you mind coming? And so Rachel says, sure, I, I, I'll come to support you. I, I don't know much about church and don't really get into that too much. But Rachel later said that that decision to go support her Lisa's friend's baptism changed her life. Because eventually, Rachel found herself in a deep hole. Her partner eventually got arrested. He found himself in prison. And now Rachel doesn't hardly have anything. She's got these two kids. She's trying to survive. But her friend Lisa is starting to have joy in her life, to get some formation. And her husband, it was starting to change. And Rachel started looking at her own life and realizing how frustrating this 
pattern of poverty, this, this emotional sabotage of um, substance and uh, sin. And she said, quote, being in that lifestyle takes a lot out of you and it takes you to ugly places. And I was just tired. But when she was there at that baptism service and heard the gospel, she knew also says she needed Christ in her life. And she said yes to Christ. And she confessed in this article, she said, you know, I, I not only did it for myself, but really I needed my kids to get involved with church and the things of God. She realized growing up, I did not have God in my life or in my family. I didn't learn some of those coping skills, and later it harmed me and harming my children. I thought if anything, she said, if I get out of it, my kids will at least learn about God and some of the principles in his word. And so Rachel started going to church. And she started realizing that she saw herself as less, but God saw her at her best. And she was attracted. And she said yes to Jesus and started getting involved in Bible studies and, and volunteering. She says, man, I'm going to do this thing. I, I need to participate. And people came around her. And she started sifting her past pain, her wounds, through the truths of the Bible. And God started healing her spiritually. God started healing her emotionally, right? The church had a recovery program, and she went to that, and she started learning some coping skills and her emotional responses when she was triggered or tempted or threatened. And eventually, she would get baptized herself. And she started flourishing and growing stronger. In fact, she would stay in touch with her fiancé. And this fiancé in prison started to notice that her countenance was different. She had more hope. She had some more security. He asked questions, and she shared about this church, and she shared about Jesus and the decision to put Christ first in her life. And he also started having questions. She, he also wanted to know more. And every time they'd get together, she said that they would start discussing. In fact, she said, quote, our whole family's dynamic, our discussions, everything changed. Rachel looks back over the last few years, and she realized how God was drawing her, his provenient grace that wanted her to make that choice to say yes to Jesus and surrendered her life. And God started reformatting her, rebooting her emotionally, especially spiritually, and growing her. She says these classes and these Bible studies taught her to get over the barriers of seeing herself, get this, Herself is not worthy of God's love. I think that's where a lot of people are, Christians and even non-Christians, right? That we're not sure we're living into the old wounds, the old hurt, the old mantras. And God's mantra is, man, I see you at your best. You are the warrior. You are my child that's been lost. Come home. I want to build into your life. And now she says, I'm, I'm much improved. I'm over these barriers and living in Christ. And now I'm finding other people who've been wounded and stuck like me and pouring into their life. See, Rachel Walsh found her best self through Christ. This is the heart of God for you. Jesus sees you as his child. He wants to see you as a new creation. The Bible says the old, the new has come. He designed you before you even took your first breath. He had a mission for you, a personality. It, it, it might have been a two. It might have been a five. It might have been an eight. You, you, he, we don't know, but God knows. 
And whatever our past, whatever the hurt we went through, however we formed, we can form a new life that's being transformed by the love of Christ Jesus. Before we know it, we can learn to grow and respond to threats or temptations or setbacks. And we can thrive in Christ and live free and whole in Jesus, full of faith, dedicated to him. I would invite you to stand with me as uh, we're about to pray and dismiss. I want to invite you and to thank you uh, to Discovery Class. If you want to know a little bit more about our church, it's going to be like 10, 15 minutes right over here. You can get your kids and we'll take a pause, a break, and come over here just 15 minutes, kind of who you are, who we are, and get to know each other. I appreciate you watching today. If you couldn't make it personally and uh, being involved, uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you, God, that you created us uniquely. And you put up with us, and uh, you are gracious and patient, God. And you want to form us to be more like you. And part of that is being secure, who our Heavenly Father is, who our identity is in you. So help us, God, to live free, live secure in your principles, and go out to be your representatives. Go out to be your ambassadors, loving people and loving you and journeying together. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.